0: Welcome to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast, a podcast where a couple of fools grab some cold ones and talk by the fire. So crack a cold one, come sit by the fire, and get a few laughs, as we discuss everything from the meaning of life, space travel, and weird moments in history. Everyone has dreams and aspirations, ideas of the impossible. Some wish to be astronauts, actors, professional athletes, and yes, even spies. But what happens when a man who grew up with no intention of becoming a spy, no training, becomes one simply out of spite? You get, perhaps, the best worst spy in history. And a man who helped turn the tide in world war ii but before i get into the tale of juan polo garcia a man who'd make decisions simply by being pissed off nick how are you what are you drinking i'm doing
1: doing great and drinking some bud light how about yourself
0: i am drinking some vodka and i'm doing fantastic because this is this is a funny clusterfuck of an episode and i'm so happy i came across it our tale begins in the city of barcelona in spain where on february 14th Valentine's Day, 9:12. a Juan Garcia would be born. Juan was born to a simple family, and from what I can tell, was destined to live a mundane life. But you know what they say about destiny, right? You don't get to write it. Juan would be average doing just about everything. He was being okay at school, work a number of jobs, from working in a hardware store to dabbling in chicken farming. He went from job to job and failed pretty much at all of them. Then, in 1931, he was forced to serve in the Spanish Republican Cavalry Unit, which he loathed and hated. For some background knowledge, Spain at this time was divided politically, between fascists and communists. The communists were the ones in power, and the fascists were the ones trying to take the power. Juan, he hated them both. And after being forced to serve in Spain's military, he realized that the government didn't suit him too well. So after six months of being a thorn in the military, he got himself discharged. I wish he recorded or said what he did because to get yourself discharged so quickly, that's impressive. Being a bit of a free thinker, not liking communism, the government either purposely or accidentally labeled him as revolutionary, along with Juan's sisters and mother. Juan was eventually found by the police and arrested and after some time was eventually released. If you want to make someone hate you, throw him into prison with no evidence. A few years would pass, and in 1936, Spain's civil war broke out, a war between communists and fascists. And in 1936, the Republicans, aka the communists, was still in control at the moment. And the Republicans asked, the co- and the Republicans asked Juan to fight or else. He refused, and once again was found and arrested. Now, being arrested and told to fight again really didn't sit well with him. So in turn, Juan came up with some fake papers, deserted, and went to go fight with the revolutionaries, the fascists. This would not last long, for he found, just like the communists, they were also assholes. The fascists would apparently beat him and later imprison him for not being with their cause. A little time later, he would return back to his life. The Civil War would end April 1st, 1939, but the bad luck would not end there. Not finding much success in life, he found himself running a rundown hotel. Best way to think about it is a hole in the wall had a baby with a motel, and that was the hotel he was running. Needless to say, he wasn't happy with his life's position, nor having the two extreme governments who nudged his life in a certain direction. Feeling resentment, anger, and if I had to guess, a wish for grander things, Juan would get an opportunity. An opportunity for revenge, for adventure, and to fuck over the fascists out of spite. September 1st, 1939, when tail Hitler and Nazi Germany invading Poland. I think Juan saw the writing on the wall that Germany would come for Spain sooner or later. So in 1940, with Germany invading Western Europe then taking control of much of Europe by 1941, he decided that he was done being a loser and that he really hated the Nazis. So he decided that he would try to become a spy to fuck over the Axis powers. Now still living in Spain, Juan would go to British officials that were represented in Spain and say, hey, I'll spy for you. Just give me a chance. He would do this three times. The British denied him three times. Now, in the British defense, Juan wasn't, on paper, good at anything, for lack of better words. Having multiple failed businesses, worked a lot of odds and then jobs, didn't currently work in a position where Intel might swing by, didn't speak English, kind of important when you're working for an English-speaking government, and, oh yeah, had zero espionage skill. That's uh, that's kind of an important one. Not to be undeterred, whether from tired of mundane life or just how much he really hated fascists, he would devise a plan. A plan to convince the British that he'd be a good member of their team. A plan so crazy that it just might work. Juan, through a stroke of madness or brilliance, would come up with the idea that if he convinced the Nazis he was a spy, he can show proof and help the British and her allies. To be a spy, you must be a spy. Now, Spain in the 1940s was very sympathetic to the Nazis for being fascists like the country itself. Juan was able to find Nazi agents really easily and began to convince them that he was a true believer in their cause. He would make such an estrigous lies to convince the Nazis that I don't know how they fell for it. He would tell the Germans that he was a Spanish diplomat official who made frequent trips to England. Juan would even make false visas and passports to help sell his lie. This is funny to note, the fake visas and passports, he completely made up. He had no idea how the actual real ones looked, their size, their color, let alone was on the documents. And again, like I mentioned earlier, Juan couldn't speak English. You would think a Spanish diplomat who works in England would speak English. But nonetheless, he was able to convince the Nazis. The Germans hired Juan as a spy. The German supplied Juan with some invisible ink, a cipher to write code in, uh, some money to fund him, a crash one-on-one course in espionage, and a code name. Codename Arabel. Now armed with some supplies and a little training, he was off to spy for the Nazis in Britain. Or at least that's what he told them. Not having any credentials to get into England, nor I don't know if he even wanted to go to England, Juan, now codename Arabel, would travel to Lisbon, Portugal. Of course, not mentioning this to the Nazis but not to report British activity without helping the Nazis and also having no knowledge on Britain itself. He would arm himself with a roadmap of England, a Spanish guidebook to England, some magazines and some tourist pamphlets to help him sell his lie. While in Portugal, he would send Nazis information what he was seeing and finding out in England and using miscellaneous readings that he found on England to help him sell it.
1: I feel like some, uh, some someone should have been able to be like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about.
0: You'd really think so, but I don't know what I like. I don't know if the Nazis that hired him as a spy actually didn't want to be Nazis. So they also thought they would fuck him over. Oh, fuck over Germany. I have no idea how he got by all this. The thing is, it gets far worse. This is the mundane stuff he pulled over their eyes. And this is kind of funny. You know how he would send all those espionage findings, Nick? how like method of sending him yes i have no idea through the public mail service when the co- entire continent's on in a war phase but you know what about the stampage on the uh postcards and in uh, the letters wouldn't it be obviously say england if he was mailing from england well the nazis kind of asked about this so he come up with elaborate lie to tell and convince the nazis he said he found a pilot in england that would take his letters fly them to portugal where at this point he was living and And then from there, they would be mailed out. Nazis, they ate it up. With all these quote-unquote sightings of British troops, supply chains, the Nazis, eventually, British intelligence intercepted and caught wind of this spy. The British began to panic. How could a spy get so deep and know all this knowledge? Soon, MI5 was tasked with finding, stopping, and apprehending this spy. So
1: somehow, he guessed correctly because like I feel like England should have been like, someone's telling him all this stuff, but it's not right. Oh, my
0: God. He didn't guess correctly because after MIFI was tasked with finding the spy and getting passed down the chain of command, after a look at the closer examinations of the documents that Juan was sending to the Nazis, the letters, the letters contained information that made the British people go, what the fuck is he talking about?
1: Finally, finally, someone said, what the fuck is this guy <laughs> talking
0: about? Uh, So, in one of the letters, he wrote to the Nazis how the Scottish people, and I quote, would do anything for a liter of wine, end quote. Again, Juan knows little to nothing about English culture. Scottish probably prefer a lot of other types of alcohol over wine, but uh, whatever. And after the British intelligence would see these letters and formations, they would figure it out. Boy, was this spy full of shit. These people
1: all, like lived in europe i mean it's like states to the united states like how how what the fuck (laughs) like you're telling me no german was like hmm
0: scottish people love wine that doesn't seem right but nick also if i keep feeding you information and information keeps coming back wrong when you start getting suspicious of it
1: i mean i hope so but we've been doing this podcast for two years now and i haven't checked any of your information so i think i know what's going on with the nazis it seems like a lot of work, honestly.
0: <laughs> well, at this point, the Nazis are like, "Hey, some of this information is inaccurate."
1: Okay, think God. somewhat. So both sides are like, "What the fuck is going on here?"
0: Nope, gets better. So in order to convince the Nazis that some of his stuff was wrong, he convinced the Nazis that he assembled a spy ring in London containing twenty-seven operatives, and the Nazis are like, "Well, shit! If he's giving us consistent information and in growing his operation, we like him. We should keep supporting him." Anyhow, back to the story. Now, as soon as the British figured out who the spy was and that the spy was full of shit, Juan would reapproach the British agents. I believe in Spain, but it could have been Portugal. I found conflicting information on in which country he re-introduced himself to the British. Nonetheless, Juan would reapproach the British agents and say, Hey, let me spy for you. I can trick the Nazis. I've already been doing it. Now, figuring out that Juan was the spy, a they decided, you know. He did try to work for us earlier. He's already got connection with the Germans. The Germans are eating out of of Palma's hand. Yes, you can definitely be a British spy. They would move his wife and children, along with himself, to England and rename Juan as codename Garbo. Juan was now officially a double agent and now would have the opportunity to feed better information to help the British and her allies defeat the Nazis. Now, working alongside British intelligence... Juan was able to give true information to the Nazis that the British wanted to share to help convince the Nazis of Juan's authenticity. This alliance also allowed Juan to tell the Nazis better wrong information to help Britain. While working with MI5 Juan and his Spanish-speaking MI5 agent, they would write some 315 letters of bullshit to the Nazis. And I would like to point out, Juan still has yet to learn English at this point. (laughs) Now... What happens when the information is wrong and the Nazis are pissed at you? No. No habla inglés. I get this all the time at work. <laughs> well, I got a one you can use at work next time. He, luckily, like I mentioned earlier, he made a fictional spy ring containing 27 people that he can blame whenever he wants, saying that they were arrested, murdered, that he'd kill them for their wrong information. Juan would always have an excuse or a scapegoat that he, Of people he just completely fabricated or imagined. Something I find very funny this entire time as a double agent. He was still getting paid by the Nazis for his first fake spy job. Now he was getting paid also by the British for his real fake spy job. Another great tactic that he would use for misinformation was to send real information. But it would always happen to come just a little too late. For example, Juan told the Germans accurate info where the Allies were landing in North Africa but making sure it was delivered after the evasion took place. The Nazis, and I'm not joking, were so thankful for this information, they would apologize for failing to act on his formation, thinking that it was their fault the message took so long to get to them. That's hilarious. Now, a completely trusted agent for Germany, and not wanting to have a mishap of information being late, the Germans would supply Juan with a special radio to help communications go over smoother. Which, in truth, the Nazis, instead of giving their spy radio, simply just gave it to the spy for the British. This would go on for a few years of gaining trust, giving false information, moving, shadows, in the dust, all of that stuff, until about 1944 rolled around. And op- And in 1944, Operation Overload would start. For those unfamiliar, Operation Overload was an operation that was a plan for the Allies to invade Europe and beat Germany back. So
1: over... Overload or Overlord? Overload. I always thought it was Overlord.
0: But needless to say, this was an extremely sensitive and important operation. And in order to protect this op, a second operation would be made, Operation Fortitude. And the job of Operation Fortitude was to conceal, hide, and give Germany misinformation about the coming invasion to protect Operation Overload. Some of you might be familiar with aspects of Operation Fortitude, like inflatable tanks that the British used to confuse scout planes on troop movements. Needless to say, the Germans knew the Allies were going to invade, and soon. So from January 1944 to June 1944, Juan would send radio conversations and letters to the Nazis, false information to help confuse the Nazis. He convinced the Nazis that majority of the invasion, which is, again, Germany knew it was coming, take place at a Pas de Calice. Don't know if I pronounced that right. It's a lot of different languages, and my brain can barely speak English. And this invasion would be done by a fictional army, the, and I quote, first U.S. Army group, end quote, consisting of 150,000 troops led by none other than General Patton himself. The first U.S. Army group does not exist, nor has it ever exist. But the Nazis don't know that. The British, to help assist this bold claim, put out fake radio chatter to help verify this information. And to really sell it, Juan would tell the Nazis, yes, the Allies are attacking Normandy, which... At this point, everyone knew it was a conceded point, but they would be sending a small diversion force and saying, I quote, this is fake, you have to believe me. End quote. The Germans knew Normandy was a strong possibility and the point of invasion, so it made sense in their mind that the Allies would send some force, or even, I mean, a diversion force to distract from the real invasion point. So, his fictional story had some merit. And, having built such a degree of excellence as a spy for Germany, They believed Juan's, hey, you guys should totally believe me. It won't be here, wink, wink. totally won't be here, trust me. And they bought it. Now comes the dawn of June 6, 1944, D-Day. The night leading to the dawn, Juan would radio the Germans and say that he had really, really important news. This would happen at 3 a.m. The Germans were unable to reply until 8 a.m. Germany was being invaded through Normandy. Juan, angry, or he's pretending to be angry at the Germans for not entering his call, spun it that it was Germany's fault and he tried to tell them important information. Germans believed him. A few days later, on June 9th, Juan's false report made it all the way to Berlin. Being such an important spy, and now Germany on the defensive, Juan's information was worth its weight in gold. It would be taking all the way to der the German high command and to Hitler himself. More than 62 reports, false information reports, made it all the way up to the chain of command. And in these reports, Juan stressed that, again, the invasion of Normandy is a distraction. Don't send reinforcements. The real invasion is happening in Pas de Caris. The Germans, trusting Juan's information was accurate, the commander-in-chief, Gerd von Rundstedt, would deny General Rommel from moving his troops to Normandy to help their troops and to keep their troops ready for where Juan told him the invasion was going to happen. Many people credit Juan Garcia as a major factor in taking the beaches of Normandy. His distraction caused the Germans not to get reinforcements for days. Supplies did not reinforce those places as more as they already were reinforced. And to avoid the Germans getting mad at him making up the whole, "oh, it's going to be here, not here, mishap, he would inform the Nazis that he was quote-unquote arrested and would have to would get and he was working his way to get released, but you need to lay low for a while. The Germans decided for Juan's bravery of getting arrested, and assisting them so much over the years, they would award him the Iron Cross Second Class. a medal usually reserved for the frontline fighting men and requires Hitler's personal authorization to get it. Juan would receive it June 29, 1944. A few months later, on November 25th, 1944, Juan would also receive the MBE, which stands for Member of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire. He would receive the British Medal from King George VI. He is the only person to receive both the Iron Cross from Germany and the MBE from the British. Not only was he giving false information, he was getting rewarded by the people he was giving false information to. The Nazis would never learn of Juan's deception. A year later, World War II would end, and Juan would still play a small spy role. Britain was actually worried about a Fourth Reich forming. Juan would continue to spy to make sure Germany wouldn't assemble another army for round three. Juan did not know that Nazis did not know about his status of being a double agent. So with the help of MI5, he would fake his death in 1949, dying from malaria, where he would grow a beard and wear eyeglasses to help him hide his identity and move to Venezuela. Which I found funny, he went to South America to hide from the Nazis. That's like the last place I would want to go.
1: Maybe he was playing the other side the whole whole
0: time. <laughs> a triple, triple double agent. In Venezuela, he would open a small bookstore and have a quiet life for a time. Juan's story of his espionage was almost completely lost in history. It was until the 1980s where a British writer, Nigel West, looked into the spy. Nigel, doing research, came to the conclusion that Juan was not dead and in fact faked his death smarter than all the Nazi intelligence officers, I can tell you that right now. So armed with this idea, Nigel would track Juan down himself. From there, Juan would come out of hiding, reconnecting with his ex-wife who thought he was dead, and he was trying to make amends to his very pissed-off children, who also thought he was dead. Juan would go back to London and, in fact, converse with Prince Philip. And not sure if this is true or conflicting information, but apparently on the 40th anniversary of D-Day, June 6, 1984. Juan would visit Normandy beaches and pay his respect to the dead. Not sure if it's true, but he played such a large part where so many died, but even more would have died without his help. I can see going to see it. Juan would die October 10, 1988 in Caracas. A man driven by a man driven by his disdain for communist and fascist, a man who many thought would be at best average, rose himself into a critical member of the many heroes who stopped the world from being devoured by the darkness of evil. And I think a bit of Juan is in all of us. A man who wants to become something more, has some adventure in his life, and the ability to change his destiny. Juan Garcia, the Best worst spy I've ever heard of.
1: But you have heard of him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's, oh, I really wish I thought of that when coming up with this story. He is a man who could completely and utter bullshit everyone. He fooled Nazi Germany, saved untold lives. Just thank God he never became a salesman. And uh, yeah, Nick, I don't know how far, I don't know how he made it so far for so many years pulling the wool over the Nazi's eyes.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's just, it seems embarrassing. But, I mean, I don't know what they were looking at.
0: Must have been really good. And also, can you imagine getting a a medal from Hitler himself for telling Hitler lies? Yeah. Be, take that back to England, be
1: like, check out what I got, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, well, that's the story of Juan Garcia. A man... Who I can relate to because he really hated communists and he really hated fascists and he wanted something more in his life. Not so much how I feel about him abandoning his wife and children, but, you know, we all can't be perfect. I mean, I
1: feel like it, how hard would it have been to be like, we all died of malaria? It's, but whatever.
0: (laughs) 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 I guess there was maybe a senorita in uh, Venezuela. But uh, yeah, he's such a bad spy. He's good. I... He stumbled his way into greatness, and I love it. And with that being said, thank you all for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.